Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we be. This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back to The Savior Said. This is the episode for August 10th through 16th, Alma 53 to 63, Preserved by His Marvelous Power. And I think that Preserved by His Marvelous Power is so important and vital to us these days. There are so many ways that we can fall apart in those this world that we live in. And we can fall apart mentally, spiritually, physically, but we can, in all situations, turn to the Lord and he can help us and he can even put us back together. Even if he doesn't miraculously like magic things into perfect order, he's still there with us and he still holds us and holds our hand as we walk through those tough times. And that's what we're going to really be talking about today um, in the episode. Now, you guys know I love a good mixtape and it has been a while since we have last had a mixtape. So I felt like it was mixtape time. Um, also, there was just like lots of really good songs that have come out recently that I felt like were really good for the theme of our God preserving us. So we're going to we're going to get into all those. But first, I wanted to say a big thank you to two people who left reviews this week for the podcast. Love to Camp 74 and I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry. I'm going to mess it up. But it's like Amanis, Amanis, I guess, one, two, three, four, five for your sweet reviews, your kind words. Um, they, they just touch me so much, so much more than you could possibly ever know. And by leaving positive reviews in iTunes, you're helping others who are searching for Come Follow Me podcasts find the Savior said. So I'm so grateful for those who go out and leave those those reviews. So thanks, guys. All right, so let's get down to the issue at hand, the assignment at hand, the scripture reading at hand today. So we're in some more war chapters, which is good. And these particular war chapters, though, are about the armies of Helaman. And I love the armies of Helaman. Um, I love the idea of these boys standing up and defending their families because they knew, you know, their families, they didn't want them to break that oath that they had covenant with, covenanted with the Lord. They didn't want them to break that. And so they're doing it on behalf of their families, and they're relying on their faith to get them through these battles. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about Moroni and Pahoran's um, epistles back and forth, because I think they're quite interesting. So we've got all kinds of good stuff coming up. The first thing, first section to Come Follow Me, the introduction says, when compared with the Lamanite armies, Helaman's little army, and that's like literally what he calls them, a little army, of 2,000 young Nephites shouldn't have stood a chance. Besides being few in number, Helaman's soldiers were all very young and never had they fought. And this is from Alma 56, 46 through 47. And it says, For as I had ever called them my sons, for they were all of them very young, even so they said unto me, Father, Behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth, and we should not slay our brethren if they would let us alone. Therefore let us go, lest they should overpower the army of Antipas. 
Now, never had they fought, yet they did not fear death, and they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives. Yea, and they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. There is so much tenderness in those two verses. I just love it. I love the fact that they were so dedicated to God that they didn't even fear death. I love the fact that it was their mothers who instilled this faith in them, this strength in them. And women, if you ever doubt your power or your place in this world, this story to me shows how powerful the role of mother can be and how powerful motherhood is to raise good in the world and to make a difference in the world. Um, I was talking to a friend this week about spreading good and, you know, making a difference in the world. And I think one of the best places that we can start to make a difference in the world is in our own homes by raising kids who have this faith and who who can share this belief with others and make the world a better place. Come Follow Me continues, in some ways, Their situation might seem familiar to those of us who sometimes feel outnumbered and overwhelmed in our latter-day battle against Satan and the forces of evil in this world. Yes, yes we do. In fact, all of last week's episode was me being like, I'm so overwhelmed. So thank you for coming back and listening if you made it through last week's episode. And I found a song that helps me with that. Okay, this song is called The Truth I'm Standing On, because when we go through those times where we're like falling apart like I was last week, um, you know, and I remember talking to you guys about last week when I was falling apart and I was feeling just like swept away and, you know, finding the scriptures to cling on. It's the word of God that was I was clinging to. And that's really what the song is about. It's the truth I'm standing on. It's the word of God and the love of God and the truth of our relationship to him that we can stand on in the middle of all the whirlwinds that are around us. It reminds me of Helaman 512 that talks about the rock that you can stand on of our redeemer. And so that's what this song kind of talks about. Some of the lyrics that I really like because I feel like it applies to our situation right now is good. I believe you're good. Even when life's not good and I will not lose this hope. The God who parts the sea promises he's going to make a way for me. This is the truth I'm standing on, that even when all my strength is gone, you are faithful forever, and I know you'll never let me fall. Right now, I'm choosing to believe. Someday, I'll look back and see all the pain had a purpose, and your plan was perfect all along. This is the truth I'm standing on. And so that's the truth I feel like we cling to when we are in this crazy world of just being overwhelmed by sin and temptation and just the challenges that we're constantly facing. We have that truth to stand on. And so this is The Truth I'm Standing On by Leanna Crawford. Scared. Oh, I thought I knew. Scared. But I'm so filled with fear. I can barely move Doubt I've had my share of doubt But never more than right now I'm wondering where are you Here on the edge of fall apart Promises find my troubled heart. This is the truth I'm standing on. 
so good i love that she's just i feel like that song is just so sweet but yet still honest it's just kind of you know pared down to just her voice and her emotions and i just love it so much all right so coming back into come follow me it says the army of helaman had some advantages over the lamanites that had nothing to do with military numbers or skill they chose helaman a prophet to lead them and they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt god god would deliver them And they had exceeding faith in that which they had been taught. And as a result, they were protected by the miraculous power of God. And we read that in Alma 57, 26. It says, And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army, yea, that they should be spared while there was a thousand of our brethren that were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God and whosoever did not doubt that they should be preserved by his marvelous power. Now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. They are young and their minds are firm and they do put their trust in God continually. I love that so much. For Okay, so the first thing, I love that the, Laman, or the Nephites still refer to the Lamanites as their brethren. Even though they're like battling them, they still refer to them as like their brothers. I think that's really sweet. Okay, continuing on from that though. I love that even though that these, these guys are so young, that they're still, their minds are firm. Their minds are made up that they will trust in God no matter what. And that trust and that faith is what carries them through. And we read in Come Follow Me, the next sentence really stood out to me. It says, even though they were all wounded in battle, 
there was not one soul of them who did perish. I think that's important to note that just because we're doing the right things doesn't mean we won't get wounded in battle. These boys had so much faith that the Lord strengthened and preserved them, yet they still got wounded. Sometimes I think we get wounded in spiritual battles or just, you know, living in the world kind of takes chunks out of us. And so sometimes I think we see those chunks that have been removed and we kind of think, oh, I wasn't living right. Or, oh, I must have not been doing something right because if I had, then that wouldn't have happened. But the Lord preserves us and he's there with us. But sometimes there tends to be consequences to the things that people are doing around us that tend to damage us a little bit. He will still preserve us through that, though. We still get through it. We just have some scars, you know? So I think that's important to note, too, that we won't get through perfectly, but we will make it through the way that the Lord wants us to. And I found a really good quote about this from Jeffrey R. Holland. You know, I love Jeffrey R. Holland. Um, And this is from a talk that he gave at the Provo, Utah Missionary Training Center in June of 2000. And it is found in the ensign of, looks like March 2001 ensign. But it's Jeffrey R. Holland, Missionary Work and the Atonement. And he's talking to the missionaries about the work of salvation, or missionary work is what he calls it, the work of salvation. And he says, I am convinced that missionary work is not easy because salvation is not a cheap experience. Salvation never was easy. We are the church of Jesus Christ. This is the truth. He is our great eternal head. How could we believe it would be easy for us when it was never, ever easy for him? It seems to me that missionaries and mission leaders, and I would say all of us in general, have to spend at least a few moments in Gethsemane. Missionaries, mission leaders, and all of us have to at least take a step or two towards the summit of Calvary. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about anything anywhere near what Christ experienced. That would be presumptuous and sacrilegious. But I believe that missionaries and investigators, and I would say all of us, to come to the truth to come to salvation, to know something of the price that has been paid, we will have to pay a token of that same price. For that reason, I don't believe missionary work or just living in general has ever been easy, nor that conversion is, nor that retention is, nor that continued faithfulness is. I believe it is supposed to require some effort, something from the depths of our soul. I love that perspective so much that, you know, it was never easy for our Savior. So why would we think by coming closer to him that it would immediately get easier for us? Because that's what I think sometimes. I'm like, I'm doing all the right things. Why are you making this hard? You know, I'm I'm doing A plus B and it's not equaling C. Like I, this should be an equation, but it's not an equation. Life is not an equation. It doesn't always work out the way we think it should or even the way we expect it to. But it always works out the way perfectly that our Heavenly Father wants it to work out. And he's always there with us in the middle of all those times that are our tokens of Gethsemane and Calvary, that are tokens of the difficult times that our Savior went through. Because of those times that he went through, he can walk with us through our difficult times as well. That reminded me of a song, and we've actually had the song was on a previous mixtape, but it was the live version. Since then, they've gone back and they've um, re-released a studio version. And the song is Another in the Fire by Hillsong United. And if you actually go in and watch the video, it's actually really cool because they recorded this particular studio version while they were in quarantine. So in the video, it shows them each of their own little apartments or houses or whatever playing the different instruments. And, you know, the girl singing the microphone by herself and they're all quarantined and they put it together. And it talks about, you know, there's another in the fire with us. 
Hold on. I'm going to read you lyrics. Lyrics, because they'll say it so much better than me paraphrasing. There'll be another in the fire, standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding how good you've been to me, I'll count the joy come every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. I can see the light, and I can see the light in the darkness, as the darkness bows to him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between wears thin. I can feel the ground shake beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between us in the love that our Heavenly Father and our Savior have for us. I think that is such a beautiful sentiment. Um, And as I was going through and reading the lyrics and listening to it, I'm like, dang it, I totally should have used this song in the Ammonihah episode. This would have been perfect for it. You know, because they talk about there's another in the fire. You know, all those people who are cast into the fire, they were with God. And it talks about the prison walls shaking and caving in and the ground shaking. And I'm like, this would have been perfect. So I'm sorry I didn't use it in the Ammonihah episode. We're going to do it now, though. Okay. <laughs> it's just a, just a few chapters, just a few chapters late. We're going to do it now. But I love it because it talks about God being with us through all those hard times. And that's what the sons of Helaman knew. It's what that little army knew is that God was with them even when they were wounded, even when they were in battle and they didn't know what the outcome would be, God was still with them. And that is such a good lesson for us that even when we're in battle and we don't know what the outcome will be, God is with us. He's with us in the fire. So here it is, Another in the Fire by Hillsong United. There's a grace when the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between Where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the
another name but the name that is Jesus He who was and still is and will be through it all So come on me in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning Such a powerful song. I love it. And if you get a chance, go watch the music video because it really is pretty cool how they put it together. Okay, we are now down into the ideas for personal scripture study section. And the first one is, as I exercise faith in God, he will bless me by his marvelous power. And it says, miraculous stories like the victories of Helaman's young warriors may be hard to relate to because they seem so improbable. But one reason such stories are in the scriptures is to show us that when we have faith, God can work miracles in our lives. As you read about the stripling warriors in the following verses, look for clues about how they exercise their faith in God, what made their faith so strong, and what made the miracles possible. And so it gives you different sections to go look up. So the first one is in Alma 53, and it gives you a big old long section to look at. But what I saw was not even the whole section. I mean, there was good stuff in the whole section, but it was like towards the end that I actually saw where Helaman is kind of describing them in verses 20 and 21, and it says, And they were all young men, and they were exceedingly valiant for courage and also for strength and activity. But behold, this was not all. They were also men who were true at all times and whatsoever thing they were entrusted. Yea, this is 21, they were men of truth and soberness, for they had been taught to keep the commandments of God and to walk uprightly before him. There's things I see in those two verses. They were valiant They were courageous and they were men who were true at all times. And I'm saying men, but I'm like, that can be women too. Are we women and men who can be true at all times and whatsoever thing we've been entrusted with, whatever the Lord gives us, are we being true to that calling? You know, you guys saw me fall apart a little bit in last episode because I didn't want to go back to school. And I feel like the school that I'm working at is actually a calling from my heavenly father. And that was me not wanting to follow through on that calling. Was I trusting him or was he able to trust me that I would do it? Yeah, eventually, you know, I got my mind wrapped around it. And we're talking about that a little bit later on. But I'm like, ooh, I, I wasn't following the example of the stripling warriors there because I don't know that I was being so trustworthy in that situation. Um, I've gotten better about that, though. All right, 21, and they talk about the truth and soberness. So they didn't make light of the responsibilities that they'd been given. They took them seriously. And then they kept the commandments of God and they walked uprightly before him. All right, then and it leads us to Alma 56. And this is kind of a cool situation. Um, You know, I just find it fascinating because it's a military thing. But so they've been running in front of this Lamanite army. They're waiting for Antipas to catch up with them to kind of, you know, overtake the army and help them out. And 
it looks like he, that he's not coming. And so Helaman turns to his sons, and this is in 43, and basically says, we don't know if they're coming or not. 43, and now whether they were overtaken by Antipas, we knew not. But I said unto my men, behold, we know not, but they have halted for the purpose that we should come against them. He's talking about the Lamanites, that they might catch us in the snare. Therefore, what say ye, my sons? Will you go against them to battle? Now they've been marching for like days too, so they've got to be tired. You know, we don't know if this is a trap that the Lamanites are setting out for us. Will you walk into it? willingly. What do you feel like you should do in this situation? Kind of like, how do you guys feel? 45. And now I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, that never had I seen so great courage, nay, not amongst all the Nephites, for as I had ever called them my sons, for they were all of them very young. I think that's so tender. I'm sorry. I love that. Even so they said unto me, Father, behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth, We would not slay our brethren if they would let us alone. Therefore, let us go, lest they should overpower the army of Antipas. And that's the scripture we started out this episode with. But I love that. I mean, they just believed in their God so much that even when they were knew that they were possibly walking into a trap, they said, let's go. He's got this. And they walked into it. And again, that was instructive for me. I'm like, I know I'm walking into a school year that's going to be really difficult. That looks like a trap. But if I take my heavenly father with me, it's going to be so much better. And because of they were, had that faith and they were able to walk through that, then miracles happened. And again, in Alma 57, we read why that was. And I specifically love it in 20. Let's talk about 20. And it says, And as the remainder of our army were about to give way before the Lamanites, behold, those 2,060 were firm and undaunted. So that's the, the sons of Helaman. 21. Yea, and they did obey and observe to perform every word of command with exactness. Yea, and even according to their faith, it was done unto them. And I did remember the words which they said unto me that their mothers had taught them. I'm going to jump down to 26. And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army. Yea, that they should be spared while there was a thousand of their brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith and that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God, and whosoever did not doubt that he should be preserved by his marvelous power. Now this was the faith of those who I have spoken. They are young, and their minds are firm, and they do put their trust in God continually. I think that's just so amazing that they followed all of his commands with exactness, I think is the first thing to point out. Um, You know, knowing the teenagers that I know, (laughs) I love you teenagers that I know, but they don't always follow commands with exactness. Um, It's kind of like, what is the least amount of work I can put into this and slide through? And that's kind of like where they go. Um, So the fact that you had 2000 of these boys following with exactness, exactly what they were supposed to do, I think is pretty amazing. And then They were preserved by the hand of God because of the faith that they had. They'd been taught to believe there was a just God and they believed in him. That's just so cool to me. All right. Alma 58 is the next section it references. And 40 is the verse that I really like here. And it says, behold, they have received many wounds. Again, we talked about how they were wounded. They were saved, but they were wounded. Nevertheless, they stand fast in that liberty wherewith God has made them free. And they are strict to remember the Lord their God from that day to day. Yea, and they do observe to keep his statutes and his judgments and his commandments continually, and their faith is strong in the prophecies concerning that which is to come. To me, the fact that they are day by day remembering God means they're praying, they're saying their scriptures, they're following his word, they're following his counsel, they're doing what they need to do, and they're following his commandments continually. 
And I think that's a huge part of seeing miracles in our life too. You know, when I think back to the times in my life where miracles did happen, where something miraculous happened and things were saved, um, those are great experiences and I treasure those throughout the rest of my life. But they're few and far in between. You know, I don't have many of those super miraculous, amazing, like, ah, moments. And, you know, we don't know about the sons of Helaman. That may have been their miracle for their life, you know, and they just, and they continually followed God just day by day with those small, quiet moments of prayer and filling the spirit. And I think that's kind of how we operate. We have those miracle moments in our life, but then we also have the regular day-by-day faith that we just have to express to our Heavenly Father. And so I think that's cool. So for this section, I found a song because their story reminds me a whole lot about David and Goliath. So I found a song that was kind of about, um, you know, when people in the Old Testament specifically is who the song references, that they seemed like they shouldn't have won at all. It didn't make sense. But the Lord was with them and he delivered them. And that's the story of the stripling warriors, right? They shouldn't have won at all. It makes no sense, but God delivered them. And so this is the song is called My God Fights For Me by Charity Gale, and it features Micah Tyler and Caden Slay. And here's some of the words. It says, so what's your story here today? What's the giant in your way? Are you trapped and can't get out? Are you staring down into a lion's mouth? Can you stand before the Lord or do you need to hit the floor? It don't matter what you've done. The battle's already won. Lift your voice with me and sing, my God fights for me. And I will tell you, as we go into this and you listen to it, it's a little bit different from the other songs I normally play. Um, You know, they're kind of like super upbeat and, you know, contemporary Christian and things like that. This one has a very groovy beat to it. It's kind of like bluesy old like soul southern kind of thing going on um you'll see you'll see when you when you listen to it it's cool it's it's different and it's cool so here we go my god fights for me by charity gale featuring micah tyler and caden slay i was just a shepherd boy without a shield without a sword Fed up with the giant's voice Screaming curses to the Lord Now I walk down the hill alone With a pocket full of river stones But what the Philistine couldn't see Is what I had was more than me See on my own I'm weak But my God fights for me Was serving to the king, interpreting his crazy dreams. I won't worship mortal men, so they threw me in the lion's den. Vicious teeth were all I saw, till something came and shut their jaws. You couldn't find a scratch on me. In fact, that night I fell asleep. When morning came, it shocked them all. And my I could feel their judging eyes as I knelt before the Christ. I poured my oil upon his feet. I 
didn't care who saw me weep I gave him all I had that day And he should have sent me on my way But instead he lifted up my head Cause my God fights for me Whoa, whoa He's my shield He's my sword Story here today. What's the giant in your way? Are you trapped and can't get out? Or are you staring down a lion's mouth? Can you stay before the Lord? Or do you need to hit the floor? Cause it don't matter what you've done. cool i love it okay the next section i think is really important but it's also the section where people might get angry at me (laughs) so i'm a little concerned about that but the section is i can choose to think the best of others and not be offended and this was the section that really stood out to me and it stands out to me every time i read through these chapters that these two chapters this is specifically in alma 60 and 61 really stand out to me because 60 is where Moroni is in, it's an epistle that he's writing to Pahorn and he's just blessing Pahorn out left and right, up and down. Like, how dare you leave us? You're just sitting around doing nothing, just sitting on your throne, sitting idle. And apparently sitting was kind of some kind of slur. And so he keeps saying that to him, like, you're just hanging out, doing nothing. And I'm working out over here. And who knows if you've lost your way. And I mean, just up and down to the point where like, I was reading it this time and I was getting mad at Moroni. I'm like, Moroni, don't you know, Pahorn's trying. And if I had been Pahorn and I had gotten this epistle, it would not have been well. Like, things would have gone south pretty quick. Uh, I don't think that I would have responded that well to Moroni because of that, because of all his railing and stuff that he did. But Pahoran is amazing to me because he's so humble and he's like, you're right, Moroni. If I had been doing all that stuff, you were right to be mad. But listen, here's actually what's been going on. And I still love you. I still think you're awesome. I'm still, you know, a cheerleader for you. I support what you're doing. I just can't support it like with armies and stuff like that because they've taken everything over. And he just loves him. And to me, that was really interesting to me because we have a society right now where everybody's fighting. And I feel like I talk about this constantly in like every episode where people are yelling at each other, but they are. If there's something to be fought about, they are fighting. I think most of it is currently playing out on social media and in just regular media. But David A. Bednar has a quote in here where it says, in some way, and at some time, someone in the church will do or say something that could be considered offensive. 
Such an event will surely happen to each and every one of us, and it certainly will occur more than once. You and I cannot control the attentions or behavior of other people. However, we do determine how we will act. Please remember that you and I are agents endowed with moral agency, and we can choose not to be offended. And I was trying to think of all the times that people at church may have offended me about something. And there's one specific I'll share with you that there was a sister who stood up and she was giving a talk in our sacrament meeting. And she was the wife of a priesthood holder who was at the stake level. And so he wasn't there on Sundays. He was off doing stake callings and things like that. And so she made the comment. She said, oh, my husband's never here, but don't worry. He's not an active. He's just off doing stake callings. So you don't have to pity me. Save your pity for the people whose husbands don't show up. And I'm sitting there like without my husband, whose husband does not show up. Right. And I'm like, uh, ow, right to the heart. I'm like, you're making me sound pitiful. Like, don't save your pity for me. Like, I don't need your pity either. So I was like, at that point, I'm like, okay, I could choose right now to be really offended about this. And obviously I did choose a little bit because I'm still like harboring that memory. But at the time I realized, I'm like, that's her personality. She puts her foot in her mouth all the time. Just let this go, Lexi. And so I still love this sister. I've worked in callings with her. We get along fine. I just see that story now as kind of like a funny story of like, oh, this is a time someone could have really offended me. But there are other times I can think of one of the reasons, not one, not a main reason, but like there were a whole bunch of reasons that my husband left the church. But one of the reasons that he gave for leaving the church was that he saw the way that the members in our ward were conducting themselves at church and then also outside of church in various situations that they weren't following the things that they were preaching. Like then Sunday that they would turn up and they'd say this one thing, but then he'd see him out at the community yelling at someone in a customer service desk, or he'd see him out in the community, like swearing up a storm or out in the community doing inappropriate things with girls. And he's like, but they're the same people who turn around and come to church uh, on Sunday and tell me to be good and be like Jesus. And I had to have the whole, you know, well, the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I could be really mad at those people for not doing what I know that they know they should be doing, like that could be really offensive to me because my husband left the church because of that. But instead I was like, no, they're, they're just like me. You know, we're flawed. People are flawed and love them anyways. And that's what I chose to do. You know, even though they did not set the best example, I chose to love them anyways. I can't control the intentions or behavior of other people. I can't even control the behavior of my husband. All I can do is determine how I will act. And like David A. Bednar says, remember that you and I are agents endowed with moral agency, and we can choose to not be offended. This goes for things on social media as well. When people post stuff that are the opposite of what we believe, yelling at them will not change their minds. Um, I'm still going through this because in our city, like everybody else, we're in the middle of all kinds of issues. And I've been watching the city council meetings and there's people who show up at these city council meetings and they just blast the city council. Cause you know, when citizen comments, that part is open and they get three minutes of like whatever they want to say. And the city council doesn't talk back. Like they just have to sit there and take it. And so people walk in and they're like, I can't believe you fools would do this, blah, blah, blah. And calling this one person a moron and this person, this, and, um, you know, the council president having to step in and saying, I must remind you that when you are referring to members of the city council, you need to use their appropriate titles and names, you know, because they like are literally calling them names. And I'm watching these people do this. And I'm like, what are they hoping to achieve? You come in yelling and screaming and railing. Are you converting anybody to your side? Are you convincing anyone to change their mind? 
Like your point of being there and yelling and railing against stuff is just to be like nasty. So you can turn around and say, yeah, I really showed them. Did you really show them? Because they're still stuck in their the way that they're thinking. No, you didn't really show them, right? So I saw that kind of in Moroni's epistle. I was like, Moroni, I don't think you're going to change Pahorn's mind by being so ugly to him. Like that was just not not a nice thing to do. Um, my sisters and I, we call it showing your behind. Moroni showed his behind to Pahorn. And I just don't think that's okay, right? But Pahorn decided to see past that. He decided to choose kindness and to choose love and to choose to be like Christ, despite what Moroni had said. And for this, I actually chose a song called Revolutionary by Josh Wilson. And it's also going to be a little bit different from the songs that uh, we've had on here because it's not like light and twinkly. It's kind of like more rock, I would say. But it's all about kindness being revolutionary. And it says, maybe you're not like me. Maybe we don't agree. Maybe that doesn't mean we got to be enemies. Maybe we just got to get brave, take a big leap of faith, call a truce so you and me, me and you can find a better way. Let's take some time, open our eyes, look and listen. We're going to find we're more alike than we are different. Why does kindness seem revolutionary? When did we let hate get so ordinary? Let's turn it around, flip the script, judge slow and love quick. God help us to get revolutionary. And I love that concept because I feel like that's what Pahoran did. He called a truce to find a better way. He took his time and he found the similarities between what he and Moroni were going through to reach out to him. He judged slow and he loved quick. I love that idea. Judge slow, love quick. Um, And that's what makes it revolutionary because we are in a society that tends to judge fast and love slow. So I love the idea that the song is turning it into a revolution. So here you go. Revolutionary by Josh Wilson. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe we don't agree. Maybe that doesn't mean we gotta be enemies. Maybe we just get brave, take a big leap of faith, call a truce so me and you can find a better way. Let's take some time, open our eyes, look and listen. And we're gonna find we're more alike than we are different. i 
Okay, this next section comes from down underneath where it's like further ideas for study. Um, this is the section for Alma 58, 9 through 11, 33 and 37. And it says, In times of great need, do we turn to Heavenly Father as the Nephite soldiers did? How did he answer their prayers and how has he answered our prayers? So I wanted to tell you some things that have happened since we last talked in the last episode. Um, you know, I was coming to pieces about having to go back to school in the middle of what is te- technically a hot zone in my county right now. Um, we are at the highest risk level for coronavirus. And in the middle of that, we were going to be walking into buildings with kids and teaching And I didn't know what my role was going to be. I mean, I was just like, I was all wrapped up in it. Well, some really interesting things have happened since then. Um, The first thing was, as you know, I learned from the scriptures. I learned from Moroni to be prepared. And so I sat down. I listened to a couple webinars about being a librarian during a pandemic and things that we can do. And I sat down and I literally wrote out a battle plan for my library this year. And I was like, okay, so when we are on a level one of caution, which is minimal, I'm like, this is how my library is going to operate. These are the services that I'm going to offer to my school. When I'm on a level two, uh, that's like a moderate spread. This is how my library is going to operate. And these are the services that I'm going to provide to my school with the goal being to get as many books into the hands of kids as possible without creating a hot zone in my library. Then when we're on level three, which is fully digital, these are the services that I'm going to provide. And I wrote it down like, and I had it very, very detailed, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I said it to my principal and he's like, this looks really good, but it's really verbose. Like, can you cut it down and put it in like a chart so it's easy to read? I was like, yes, I know. I just wrote like a whole Bible of a battle plan. But um, so I put it down into a chart and I was like, okay, I have a plan. I feel better. I'm prepared like Moroni. And it was interesting to me because I went into a conference with all the other librarians in my school district and they were still like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm like, guys, I got this plan. Like, here's this plan. They're like, what a plan. And so that's one of the things I've noticed that God, when he gives you something hard to go through and then you go through it and you get to the other side successfully, that he uses you, that hard thing that you went through to turn around and help others who are going through the same hard thing. And I think that's kind of what he did. Another thing he did was he changed my attitude because here's the thing is I was like, I don't want to be a librarian anymore. I don't want to have this stress. I don't want to do this job. I'm done. I want to wash my hands from being a librarian. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just done. You know, like that was kind of my um, attitude. And I even prayed to him kind of similar along those lines. And he's like, well, what would you do then, Lexi? I'm like, well, I'm like, if money wasn't an object and like I'd won the lottery and could do whatever I wanted, 
my dream job would be to go flip historical homes that have fallen into disrepair and restore them to their beautiful glory to like a family could go live in them again. And I'm like, that would be really cool. It appeals to like my artsy side. It appeals to my art history side. It appeals to like family building because I want to create a place where families can come and live, but also make my community a better place. I'm like, look, Heavenly Father, those are all good things. Like, why can't I just go flip houses instead? And he's like, okay, so you see how good this picture is that you've painted in your head? That's not what I want for you, Lexi. What I want for you is to go back to school. And he's like, my plan is going to be so much better than what you think you want. My plan is going to be perfect for you. Better than any plan that you could come up with for yourself. And so I was like, okay, attitude adjustment. Yes, Lord, I will change my attitude. I understand. So that happened. Then the third thing that happened was that I got sick. I started running a fever, coughing, and I got tested for COVID. The test results haven't come back. I pretty much had every single symptom, though. It was a very, very light case. Um, I definitely would say I've gone to work sicker than I was for the past week. Um, Just really tired, nauseous, headachey, coughing. I even had a rash, which is like apparently one of the lesser known symptoms. So... I went through all that. wasn't wasn't that bad, but it also helped me know going into the next school year. Hey, I know the studies are out there. Some are some say you do have immunity. Some say you don't have immunity. But I've had a little bit of immunity at least. I think built up so I can go and walk into the school year knowing that hey, I've gone through it once. It wasn't that bad. Life goes on, right? And also knowing that my husband and my son have been around me all this week and they haven't caught anything. So I'm like that makes me feel better too. Then. The last thing that happened that helped me feel better is our school system announced yesterday that they are going completely and totally virtual. Every single thing, every single class is going virtual for the first nine weeks of school, which to me was a huge answer to prayer. I know that it caused problems for other people who are now praying like crazy because of childcare and jobs and things like that, but I think it's really the right thing to do for our kids. And I'm not going to argue, okay, so please don't, please don't send me a million messages like, arguing with me about that. Um, Cause I'm like, I just realized I just opened myself up for that. Please don't send me a million messages arguing with me about whether or not school should be open or closed. In this case, it was an answer to my prayer. And I'm praying multiple times a day for those who have found this to make their situation harder. I can't even imagine. I'm really lucky that I'm at the point where my 14 year old son is going to be able to do his own school by himself because I will have to go to work all day. Teachers are still reporting to their jobs. They're still going to school. They're just recording their lessons and stuff online at school. So my son's still going to be home. And so I'm not really happy about that, but at least he's not in fourth grade. At least he's 14 now and can be by himself and has grandparents who can stop and check on him. You know, Um, it's just, it's not a good situation at all for anybody at all. But I believe that my Heavenly Father will be with me, will be with my family, and with anyone who seeks his hand. Um, Again, we may still sustain injuries. We may still get sick. And we may still not feel well or financially, physically, emotionally, mentally. However it is, we may still not do super awesome, but we're going to get through it with our Heavenly Father's help. And for this particular section, I chose a song. It's called Fires by Jordan St. Sire. And it says, I remember how you showed me the price of my redemption. Lord, how could I question when you proved that you'd die for me? You'd walk me through fires, pulled me from flames. If you're in this with me, I won't be afraid. When the smoke billows higher, oh higher, and it feels like I can barely breathe, I'll walk through these fires because you're walking with me.
And that's how I felt. I'm like, there's going to be fires everywhere, um, metaphorical fires everywhere as we go through the next year. But we have our Heavenly Father, and He will walk with us through those fires. And He answered my prayers in a number of different ways this week that I would never have expected. Everything from attitude adjustment to being able to very clearly and succinctly battle plan to actually, I think, potentially getting COVID. I'm pretty sure that I did. Um, and then to the change with the schools. I mean, all of that, all of that he blessed me with. And whoever thought getting blessed with getting COVID could actually be a blessing, but I see it as a blessing because it lessened my fears. Um, and for those of you who have family members and loved ones who are very, very sick or who have possibly died, I am so sorry. Please know that I'm not saying that that was a blessing because it's not, it's not, it's a bad thing. But in this particular situation, he took something bad and he made it a blessing in my life. And so I hope that that doesn't come across the wrong way. Anyway, here's Fires by Jordan St. Sire. I remember how you told me That life may not be easy And everything that I need You've already given me I remember how you told me I can trust you completely So why am I doubting When you prove that you'd fight for me You've walked me through fire Lord, how could I question when you prove that you'd die for me? You've walked me through fire. 
Okay, guys, and we're getting here to the end. And as I was thinking about the different songs that I wanted to include in this episode, um, I don't think any sort of mixtape about the Sons of Helaman could possibly be complete without that EFY medley that I know all of us have sung like a hundred of times, where it's Sisters in Zion and will bring the world his truth mixed together and sung together. So I had to include that. I love it. I know we sing it a lot and I know it was like a cool thing when it came out. So we like did it a lot and maybe you're getting a little tired of it, but this is the 20th anniversary edition. That's how old it is. 20 anniversaries of this medley arrangement between Sisters in Zion and We'll Bring the World His Truth. And I love it because you get to the end and it's like you can see the whole army of Helaman, not just the guys, but you can see the sisters in there too, that all together we are an army of God and we can go forth with God in faith following his commandments, feeling his spirit, and knowing that he is walking with us hand in hand as we walk through whatever the future holds for us. So to end this episode, we're going to be listening to the EFY medley 20th anniversary as Sisters in Zion will bring the world his truth featuring the Heritage Youth Chorus. Here it is. I hope you guys have an excellent week. I love you guys. Bye, y'all. Sisters in
The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening. 